0: So, who doesn't have the... Brothers and sisters, how are you all today? Good. Good. Alright, so. Is this the best format? Can you all hear me? Okay, we'll try this first. Uh, so, this is the first session for many of you. Uh, in fact, I think all of you. Huh? Is there anyone who attended the. previously? No. Yeah, so uh, this actually was initiated by Louise, uh, Vivian, and I think uh, Orange and Michelle. So uh, the uh, it, it, it started off with getting this book from Sri Lanka. This is a, the book in the Buddha's words uh, by Bhikkhu Bodhi. It is a compilation of the suttas from the nikayas, yeah, and so they they approached me sometime in maybe July, August, uh, around then uh, after the retreat, and they 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 wanted to actually have a more uh, regular group to learn this book, yeah. Um, some of you have actually started reading it on your own and among those who have started reading, some of you actually um, come and see me once in a while to consult me on some of the verses or some of the texts. So, when they started off, uh, I, I was quite happy to oblige and uh, in a way guide them in the reading to understand better um, and it started off as a small group around maybe less than ten of them, about maybe eight uh, eight of them or nine and then eventually um, uh, some others who actually consult me on this book are not in a group, so after much discussion, decided that yeah, why not open it up for everybody to join in yeah uh uh, and, and that's why in the chat group, I mentioned about how there must be some uh, expectations uh, yeah, because they're, 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 uh, to, to help people to learn. Yeah, so this is totally on your own that you want to join in. Um, and while this is the first lesson for our first session for all of you, uh, we have actually covered the earlier parts. We are now at about page 52 or 53, there about. Yeah? Uh, today, I'm going to just give you all a, a brief overview of what we have covered. In the chat group, I have shared some links. Yeah? Uh, not all recordings are inside. Three more recordings are, are actually not uploaded yet. I have also mentioned about the podcast. It is a very convenient uh, way to listen to the recording because there are podcast apps where uh, it is an uh, audio player so you don't have to fiddle with how to listen and all those things. Um, so what we did right at the start is that we, we actually spent time going through the table of contents. Yeah, You'd be surprised what is required to go through the table of contents. And then we read through the Yeah. Yeah, uh, This is my habit. When I read the book, I read almost everything. Um, so we have gone through the forward, the pre-phase, and from the forward and pre-phase, there's actually a lot of um, interesting uh, insight and information about Buddhism itself. Yeah. For example, Venerable bhikkhu Bodhi mentioned about how um, uh, the, the comparison between the Theravadan lineage, which centers around the Pali teachings, the Pali canon, uh, as compared to the Mahayana lineages, Uh, but he, he being a a scholar, a translator, and a monk himself for many years, uh, decades, he he takes a very uh, objective stand as far as the different lineages is concerned. And to me, that is very um, refreshing. Because the, the, the typical stand in Buddhism, if you are in Chinese Mahayana Buddhism, then it tends to be, oh, uh, Mahana Buddhism is superior and Theravada is the inferior vehicle, the smaller vehicle, the uh, Hinayana. Whereas if you are in Theravada, a bit more staunch, then the tendency is the mindset that is within the, the, some of these schools would be uh, Mahana Buddhism is uh, somewhat a bit drifted off and uh, Tatsan faith also yeah, that Mahana Buddhism is not said by the Buddha and so on but when you look at the preface in this book and in other translations by Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi, you'll find that he he don't take that kind of step yeah yeah uh, he looked at the different lineages yeah, uh, and examined them as it is. From their own finding, uh, many times they would conclude that the, if there's any dis- differences at all, it is uh, because of circumstances rather than a difference in the, the principle within these lineages. Now, I'm going to leave it to you all to read through the uh, forward and preface. You can listen to the recordings also, where I would have um, covered. Yeah? Um, and we, we spent quite a few lessons going through them. <laughs> so feel free to read through them. Uh, if you look at page 14 and 15, uh, X, I, V, and X, V, then there's a list of abbreviation key to pronunciation of Pali. The abbreviation is useful, and so it's right at the, at the start, right at the front, yeah, After the preface, uh, after the preface, list of abbreviations. So uh, I, I will just go through this briefly. Uh, if you read a novel, you usually don't have this kind of things, yeah. Uh, If you read, let's say, uh, Buddhist texts, many Buddhist texts will not have this also. Why? Because, um, not because those texts are not useful, but because those texts, uh, those texts that are not so technical will not need to have abbreviation and all these things. But Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi, among others, um, when they, uh, the books that he, he published are not his are typically not his own writing, uh, but his translation of the Pali Canon. Yeah, so uh, there are certain, certain um, uh, in a way, technical knowledge that is helpful. So typical abbreviation that is used, sometimes you will see me in class writing A-N, N-N, and yeah, D-N. This is the standard abbreviation that is used in many of these uh, books. An is Anguttara Nikaya, DN is Diga Nikaya, uh, SN is Sangita Nikaya. Uh, um, this book, this book, is a collection of sutras from the Nikayas. Yeah. Nikaya itself means collection. Yeah. Uh, collection of what? Collection of the Buddha's teaching. Um, the Buddha, when he was alive, would have conversation with people. Yeah. People would come to see him, asking him questions. Um, And then the the students, the disciples, will remember what he said and even when he was alive, there were instances of the students, the disciples, reciting these uh, teachings that were given. Uh, The formal collection, so to speak, occurred in the First Council, three months after he passed away into Paranibana. Yeah. So the first council conducted by Venerable Maha Kashapa um, had 500 arahants, with Venerable Ananda reciting the Sutta Pitaka and Venerable Upali reciting the Vinaya Pitaka namely the discourses uh, including all the teachings plus the Vinaya which is the training rules, the precepts yeah? Uh, of course, training rules and precepts are also teachings, uh, but uh, the discourses are focused n- mainly on uh, the part which is non- not directly related to precepts. Uh. So <clears throat> uh, feel free to read through uh, this, this section as well, and along the way, if you have questions, um, just raise them. Uh. Then we went through the detailed list of contents, which um, I sort of give them a bit of a overview summary. Uh, we, we took a few lessons to cover the table of contents. Yeah? Uh, and it's really to give a flavor of what's to come. Then we went through general introduction and the first chapter, which is the human condition. Yeah? The human condition. To we'll give you a summary, and you can listen to, the, to it uh, later on. Uh, the human condition basically sets the stage of our present state. Yeah? Uh, of how we are in samsara. What are the features of samsara? What are the features of being unenlightened versus being enlightened? Yeah? What are the tribulations we go through? And within that a few different suttas are, are cited within this text. If you will go through very briefly past the, the introduction, yeah, there's an introduction also inside the human condition, then you come to page 26 which is the actual text for the human condition, OH, illness and death. Uh, you will find that there that, that is the subheader, then a set of texts. This set of texts is from the sutta itself. Yeah. So as you go through the whole book, it is basically paragraphs after paragraphs of this, uh, pre- prefixed by the introduction. So the don't, don't take the introduction as something, you know like in some books introduction is a lot of fluff and you can just skip them. Uh, the introduction set the stage of what this whole section is about so good to read that we have gone gone through that before and for each of the section at the end of it if you follow me page 26 at the end of section one you have sn 3 colon 3 yeah so sn Samyuta samyuta nikaya yeah samyuta nikaya connected discourses and uh, the first three refers to uh, one, of the, uh, one of the section within Sanyata Nikaya and the second three refers to Sutra number three within that section. Uh, um, and the paragraph 163 to 164. Okay? So, <coughs> meaning that if you have the uh, translation... Is it, is it page huh? 163 to 163. Yeah, page 163 to 164. So, yeah, next time, uh, raise your hand first. yeah. because otherwise it interrupts the... Uh, so, within the... Um, within the itself, there are various sections. If you have the original book, uh, you can actually... Yeah, if you have it yourself, you can actually go to page 163 and then uh, yeah, you can actually see the, the, the text inside. Oh. So, other, other sections are the same. Also, aging, sickness and death, the simile of the mountain, uh, a lot of similes here. Um, so, has any of you read up on chapter 1? Who has read up on chapter 1? Okay, so I, I'm not going to punish you for not reading uh, This is totally uh, your own benefit if you read uh, huh? so But not to guilt trip you also <laughs> yeah, But the basically because the only way to benefit from this This is your own time huh? uh, The only way to benefit from this is to read up before the, the, the session huh? Then um, let me just run through the header and just give you a, a brief gist, okay? The first part, aging and death, um, is where the, the Buddha highlighted how you don't see anyone uh, of the four different castes being free of this, yeah? Being free of aging, sickness, or death. Yeah? And within the sharing that they Uh, I went through the four different castes in a bit more detail so feel free to go and listen to it and his point, the Buddha's point was that um, given the social structure back then where there's the four castes Brahmins, the warriors Katiyas uh, or or Satriyas in Sanskrit, and then you have the merchants and labourers no one no one is free of this condition and if you think about it even today we are still not free, yeah aging, sickness, and death yeah. so this is the nature of our existence yeah? uh, simile of the mountain from here, you have a series of uh, uh, different different kind of uh, examples given so here series of the simile of the mountain, what is a simile uh, Typically, in Singapore, when we talk about, uh, in Chinese, we just use one word, 比喻, yeah? 比喻 uh, which loosely translate to analogy, uh, but uh, in the Chinese and English language, there are a lot of different terms with slight variance. So there's analogy, metaphor, parable, and simile. Yeah? Uh, they are all uh, different ways to explain something. Or yeah, uh, different ways to explain something a parable is always where there is a, a, a bit of a storyline involved yeah uh, a metaphor is where there's something inside that is a, a representative of the thing that the Buddha is trying to explain. A simile is where there is a direct similarity or parallel uh? so Uh, This seems to be more about English than than Buddhism, but this is helpful to know because when you read the different suttas, then it will make more sense. It will make more sense. The Divine Messengers, Three Divine Messengers, and in this sutta, very, very visceral description about this young man who after... uh, uh, passing away and then meets the, the King Yama or Lord Yama in some translation and then is questioned whether he has done any good and he says he has not done any good and then the, the, the King Yama asks like, didn't you see the first divine messenger? Yeah, and then after that again the second divine messenger then the third divine messenger and what are the divine messengers? Aging, sickness and death yeah, So again this is um, a highlight of our present state. Yeah. And although this sutra is about this uh, proverbial young man, uh, in many ways, the young man is us. Huh? Yeah. This, this sutra is really about us, not about somebody else. Yeah. So, um, it is about okay, while we may not be uh, old yet, or sick yet or dead yet. Yeah, but when we see this happening to others, do we reflect and consider it can happen to us. Oh. And in many ways the Buddha, if you recall the Buddha's uh, uh line, he saw the the four sides, isn't it? The first three is none other than the divine messengers. Oh, divine messengers. And on page 31, Tribulation of, uh, of Unreflective Living, The Dart of Painful Feeling. So this is a comparison between Unenlightened versus Enlightened One. Yeah? Uh, how unenlightened beings, after being shot the first arrow or the first dart, would shoot themselves with the second one. Yeah? Uh, when they encounter uh, painful feelings, then they grieve, they they. And have sorrow and so on, they lament and so on. Yeah. All that mental responses that is optional. Yeah. But uh, being unenlightened, we do not reflect that that, that the painful feeling is actually uh, temporary, yeah, and impermanent. And as a result we respond so strongly. Yeah. So this sutra don't just talk about painful feeling, it talks about uh, painful Pleasant, and neither painful nor pleasant. Uh, so take a look. This is the of life Then I shared about. So this is about the ba In Chinese culture, we have this uh, idiom. ba bu yeah? So, <laughs> pee, da yeah, so uh, it has to do with that su tong real This is a real thing. Uh. Yeah, so, uh, let me just give you a summary. Sudong Po, a scholar and learned person, both worldly and he considered himself very um, learned in terms of Buddhism. So one day, he wrote in these verses, and sent it, asked his Sutong, sent it across the, the, the lake, over the, or the, the river to the, the Zen master across. The Zen master looked at it, and then looked at the Sudong and said, Fang yeah. Pi. So, came back. Yeah. Or maybe didn't say Fang Pi, but basically wrote, turned around and then just wrote Fang Pi. La, and then sent over. So, the Tong came back. You know, and then uh, Sutong Pua asked, like, Sutong Pua, what, what did he say? He opened up and then showed. <sighs> oh, he got so upset. Sutong upset. Really took the ferry across and asked like, you this monk, how how dare you say you know say such like such a rough way of response? La 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 la. Then the Chan Master said, "How do you really know? The buffoon,吹不动一屁打过江." So what are the are the buffoon? Basically, it it sets uh four pairs. Yeah, four pairs. Yeah, the four pairs are all opposites. Yeah, pain, uh, pleasure. And then uh, fame, the, the translations be very uh Fame, disrepute, praise, and blame, and then uh, gain and loss. Yeah? So it all together four pairs. Yeah? And the description, the metaphor, oftentimes given is uh, described as wind. Why is it described as wind? Because we are moved by this. Yeah? So, what can move things around in, in this world? Uh, the wind. And yeah. Anxiety due to change. I'm going th- going through at a much faster rate than usual. Yeah. So uh, you all need to go and do your reading now, because otherwise we will end up going through everything again. But a wall in Turmoil, page 35, uh, describing the first part, talking about the state of human beings. Then more into how we as individuals are. Then after that, on a more macro level, how the whole world is. Yeah? That human beings, we are in conflict. The different kinds of conflict. How Brahmins and uh, uh, and the warriors and so on, they are in conflict over sensual pleasure. Yeah? Whereas aesthetics are in conflict over views. Then we have uh, why living beings. Uh, live in hate, the dark chain of causation, uh, that's where there are different uh, uh, how all this has its roots uh, in uh, craving and so on, uh, roots of violence and oppression uh, the next section, without discoverable beginning, is a whole series of suttas with uh metaphor yeah? metaphor describing how this how we have been going through samsara for so long, yeah? so long that, and without a discoverable beginning. And throughout the whole past how many lessons, uh, I keep highlighting one, one very crucial point. There are many people who, as much as they can be Buddhist for decades, and they can do, uh, attend Fahui after Fahui, and all those things, uh, but they may still have wrong views. Yeah, in many classes I highlighted that in Buddhism there is no beginning, no beginning. And what, what is the implication of that? And why do we say that? Yeah? because for the Buddha he observed, he went try to see where does our suffering start. He find that there's no start, no, there's no, no beginning. Each each time there is the arising of a being, there must have been conditions for it, for that being to arise, yeah? And what are the conditions? A past state, yeah? That drives and conditions this new arising of a being. And how about that previous one? There must have been a previous one also. For the Buddha, it is not a conjecture. He observed directly, yeah? For, for many others, of many, many of us it is uh, we can understand it through reasoning yeah we can understand it through reasoning yeah? so the point is that then we cannot say that uh, actually all religions are the same huh? we cannot say that because most religions assert that there is a the beginning there was one day I, I shared this with a, a devotee I said Uh, The devotee basically had this mindset, Uh, if my daughter were to become a nun, I'd rather that uh, she get married. Then Then I proposed a very extreme case, I said, so if your daughter don't become a nun and become a Christian, okay? And then she thought about it, yeah okay. Now of course, of course, the moment I say this for many Buddhists, I don't know about you but for many Buddhists, then they will feel uneasy. Right, because in Singapore it's sensitive to talk about religion, you know. Yeah? But we are not criticizing other religion, Yeah. I'm just stating as a fact that religions are different. Yeah? But some religions have commonalities, like in Buddhism and many other religions, we talk about love, we talk about being compassionate, true. But the basis for that is different. And the basis for that is different. One fundamental difference is that in almost all religion, the world is created by what they deem as the supreme god. In Buddhism, no. There's no such a concept. Yeah? Uh, and it's not just in one obscure teachings that it says so. Throughout the, 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 the sutras, the Buddha keeps highlighting, he, he do not see anybody who actually is able to do that. You don't see anyone who created the world. Yeah? Driven by our own karma. Yeah? We go through samsara rounds after rounds. You know? So this is something that I time again um, highlight. Yeah? Uh, similarly, up to the next section, without discoverable beginning, yeah? a whole series of different uh, similes. You know? There are implications as well. The implication is if we know that we have been going through so many rounds, then it should be enough for us to be sick and tired of this. Not simply as a theological or matter or, uh, of principle difference, you know, uh, but the implication. The implication. And the implication is if we can accept and um, conclude that, yeah, we have been going through so many rounds. Then you have to, the, the implication is in which case then, why are we still so eager to pursue it one more time? Why are we so eager to do it one more time? In part because we can't remember. So everything seems to be fresh. And that's why for kids, wow, very excited, you know. But as we grow older, uh, we are We are a bit more jaded, ayah, New Year, nothing much. (laughs) Uh, But, New Year, nothing much. Uh, But life in general, maybe we may still have a lot of uh, unspoken uh, wish and, you know, unfulfilled perhaps. So this whole series is really about uh, a reflection on, hey, if we have indeed gone through so many rounds, then what's the big deal? What's the big deal? I uh, will leave you all to read through, okay? Um, although we are, we are moving forward, um, in, in this section, in this, this particular session of Future Ones, if you have uh, some thoughts or questions about past chapters uh, that has already been covered, feel free to bring it up. Billing, do you have a question or thought? No. I say that, uh, why we are still here, we don't see it, Sorry, we don't, come again, why we are what? Why we are still in samsara. I didn't say why we are still um, in samsara. Just want to mention about life after life, we still remain in samsara. Yeah, but I didn't say why we are still in samsara. And we didn't say why. Uh-huh. It's because that we don't see it, and we don't look out of it. Okay. The, so, the bringer of light, the first chapter, the human condition, is about uh, primarily about us, unenlightened beings. The bringer of light uh, is about the Buddha, uh, about the Buddha. So, in contrast with the Buddha, uh, we are unenlightened. We don't see things as they are, uh, but the Buddha uh, is otherwise. So, in the introduction, then. Uh, Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi highlighted uh, two seemingly opposing um, uh, images of the Buddha. One, where he is uh, very human, yeah, where he was born and then uh, grew up as a prince, and after seeing the three sides, had revulsion, seeing the fourth side, decides to set forth to find a solution yeah? then through humanly possible effort he attain enlightenment uh, this is juxtaposed posed with uh, the other image of the Buddha where he is more than human he is supra human supra man if you will yeah? where there is a larger cosmic picture yeah? about him being a bodhisattva even before he was born now, the interesting thing is, then Venerable Bhikkhu Bodhi highlighted that these two views uh, the first image of the Buddha is what is more commonly found in Theravada Buddhism, the second one is more commonly found in Mahayana Buddhism. But he suggests that perhaps the two together give us a more complete view of the Buddha. And he highlighted in the introduction about uh, how, as we go through the text, we may uh, be influenced by our own cultural uh, perception, our own uh, uh, background yeah, that colors how we look at the text. Uh, so, uh, as we go through, we may want to reflect on that. Yeah. Um, let's just go through to page 50. So one person. So this is from Anguttara Nikaya. Anguttara Nikaya is yet another set of the collection. Earlier on, most of the sutras were from Samyutta Nikaya. Samyutta means connected. So uh, the Buddha gave many teachings. Some are related, some are not so related. Of course they are all Dhamma, but when they, uh, when they compiled the teachings, initially it was just a matter of, hey, let's just remember as much as we can. But later on, in order to facilitate recitation, then they grouped the text. Uh, that grouping didn't happen instantly. Yeah? Uh, but over the centuries, it happened. No? So the, the grouping of Sayyuta Nikaya uh, is based on the topics. So hence the term connected. In Chinese, it is known by two names, Xiangying Ahan or Zha Ahan. Why Zha? Because there are various topics. zha is not a bad term. It just means mixed topic, yeah. Xiangying, Xiangying means connected or resonating. So things that are alike, they resonate. They are linked. Then, but typically when we talk about the four Nikayas, uh, in the Theravada tradition, Pali Canon, there are five. Yeah? Diga Nikaya, Majjima Nikaya, Sayuta Nikaya, Ang- Anguttara Nikaya, and Kudaka Nikaya. Yeah, so the last one, Kudaka Nikaya, is actually <coughs> uh, an, an older uh, or a, a later collection. Yeah? In the Chinese tri- Triptaka, we only see Si Ahan, the first four. Yeah? Uh, it doesn't mean that the, the sutra inside the fifth one disappeared. Yeah, but what most scholars and those who are into the teachings would agree is that uh, the, the collecting of all the texts into Nikaya number 5, Kudaka Nikaya, which literally means small text, uh, came later. So when Xuanzang大師, Tsimurasi大師 and all the different masters brought the teachings over and translated, that didn't happen yet. Yeah, so, for example, Dhammapada, which is a very prominent uh, set of texts today, uh, uh, for Dhammapada itself, it is known as Jing, which is literally Dhammapada, uh, but it exists by itself uh, and not under a certain Nikaya. Yeah, so, this this uh, grouping came later. Uh, if you look at the various of these uh, citations, most of them come from the first four, although one or two may come from the later one. Yeah? Uh, I'll just go through briefly. The first one, Digan Nikaya, literally means long discourses uh, or the long collections. And by that, by virtue of that, it's basically because there were some teachings that were longer than others. So when they were doing recitations, uh, There are those who are very good at reciting long things but you have to ask them to recite many different things, they can't. So they group them into uh, a set of sutras that are all long. So they just recite the long ones. So that is called the long discourses. Um, Then the second one are those that is of middle length, Majjima. Majjima Nikaya is middle length discourses. Then the third one is what I've mentioned. Sainta Nikaya that's grouped by topics. The fourth one, Anguttara Nikaya, is called numerical or increment or gradual discourses because there are 11 books altogether. And of the 11 books, uh, they are all sorted by numbers. So like book one would have everything connected to suttas that has the word number one. Uh, So in many suttas, the Buddha will say, there's one person. There's one thing in this world, there's one how what, yeah. So they group everything together. Uh, For example, there's one sutta which I've shared numerously, uh, Katyanu Sutta on gratitude. That's in book two, where the Buddha says, there are two persons in this world, uh, one who knows gratitude, the other one who do not. Then after that, connected to this sutta, then he says there are two persons that we uh, that whose whose gratitude is hard to repay. Who are they? Father and mother. Yeah. Then the Buddha gave a full discourse on uh, how this is so, uh, and how one can repay. So from chapter one to chapter ten are uh, all the different uh, suttas related to one to ten, eleven houses all the suttas from 11 onwards Uh, so if you are looking for any number bigger than 11 uh, uh, bigger than 10 is all housed in book 11. Uh, So this particular one one person is from Anguttara Nikaya 1 so that means book 1 under Anguttara Nikaya and then X 3 which is basically uh, number 13 then from there there's 1, 5, 6, and I, 22 to 23, and so on. These are references to that particular verse. So, one person. In this case, who is the one person who arises in this world for the welfare and benefit of all? The Tathagata. And here, if I may just read one section. Monks, there is one person arising in the world who is unique, without a peer, without counterpart, incomparable. Unequal, matchless, unrivaled, the best of humans. Who is that one person? It is the Tathagata, the Arahant, the perfectly enlightened one. This is that one person. Yeah. So, um, this is one of the sutta, yeah? um, and it highlights the qualities of the Buddha. Uh, I've mentioned before, as we see how uh, in Theravada centers there is the, the uh, Buddha Vandana. Basically, homage to the Buddha, and uh, it is basically a recitation of some of these qualities. Yeah. Uh, a similar set of qualities of these names are found in the Chinese Mahana tradition under Paspa for Zi uh, and so on. Uh, so, then uh, section two is quite interesting: Buddha's conception and birth. So, some of us may have this question uh, before. Uh, there's all the so called story about how the Buddha was born and so on. Uh, is this true and so on? Well, it's actually inside the sutta. Yeah, Which sutta? Under Majjhima Nikaya 1, 2, 3, Acharya Abhuta Sutta. Mm. Uh, so, this is, uh, you can find a reference in page 54, Majjhima Nikaya 1, 2, 3. Yeah? So here it entails, entails the whole process of how the Buddha, before he was even born, yeah, as a as a Bodhisattva. Yeah, as a bodhisattva. <clears throat> uh, how he as a Bodhisattva, he descend onto the mother's womb and then uh, after that, when he was born, how he takes seven steps and so on. I've mentioned before about my own uh, Mindset or attitude towards this description here. Uh, do you all know the, the description? Yeah. How many of you are familiar with the description of the Buddha's birth? Only 2%, the rest? What? What? Well, the... Seven steps with the flower. Uh, what else? Uh, the mother standing and uh. then... Oh well, luckily our government never give your test uh. Uh, Fail, cannot be Buddhist. Free tinker. <laughs> okay. Um, why don't we, we do this. this? Yeah, let's. Okay. So the other thing I do for the for the, uh, weekly class is I'll get individuals to read through. Yeah, I will read through usually the first first one or two paragraph then we'll go through the table and everybody will get to read. And if there's any Uh, areas that I feel that I need to explain, I will then explain, okay? So, uh, page 50, the Buddha's conception and birth. Thus, have I heard, on one occasion, the blessed one was living at Savati, in Jetas Grove, Anatta Pindika's Park. So, um, why do the sutta start with thus, have I heard? Because that is what Venerable Ananda said, when he was reciting at the first council, yeah, they would, uh, they would all listen to him uh, recite what was spoken by the Buddha. Yeah, uh, how some people may say, but how do we know that he remembered correctly? But he is praised by the Buddha as having perfect memory. Yeah, uh, and. Part of the 8 conditions that he gave the Buddha before he accepted being the Buddha's attendant was that whatever teaching that was said in his absence must be repeated by the Buddha to him. Yeah, Can you imagine if your venerable ananda was requested by the Buddha himself to be his attendant. Now can you imagine if, the, if a Buddha come to see you and say, hey Christina, be my attendant. And then you think, can but eight conditions. <laughs> 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 but Venerable Ananda actually set forth this, yeah? and one of them was that everything that was taught in his absence must be repeated to him by the Buddha. Yeah. So, um, even then, we may sometimes have a question. Is it possible that Venerable that Ananda actually managed to remember everything? Well, I'll tell you, today in Myanmar, there are still those who are known as Tipitaka Master or Tipitaka Master, if you will, in Pali. Yeah. How, do, how do we know that they can actually remember so much? Well, to be conferred, to be uh, given the title Tipitaka Master, they must be able to recite the Vinaya Pitaka, Sutta Pitaka and Abhidhamma Pitaka. Yeah. And they go for each, each of these as a test. Uh, and there will be a panel of other uh, of these masters and they will test them. Yeah. So, pretty rigorous. Huh? Uh, besides Myanmar, I know that uh, a previous Chinese master, Ying Sun Daoshi, uh, he is reputed to have given teachings in this way. And people, uh, when students come to see him and ask him questions, after listening to the question, you will reply to them, telling them, you'll find the answer in the 大政將, in the Chibitaka, under this section, uh, and if you refer to, you or which is under page one, and on the left side, the last three, how many verses, that is the answer. Yeah. He is reputed to have been able to do that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, myself, I learned under my teacher, and, while he, he, I haven't seen him being asked on all the whole Tripitaka, and he don't claim to have read through all Tripitaka. But oftentimes, when students ask him some, just ask him, "Uh, this verse is it correct?" There was once it was quite comical. One person recited a set of verses and then asked him, and then he he, he sort of chuckled and said, "This is from... Hoa uh, Jing, uh, but you recited the last part wrong. <laughs> uh, why? Because, uh, I think was, sorry, Fa yeah, Jing. Then he said that in the past he he memorized Fa yeah. Jing. So, uh, at least we can say that uh, there are those who are able to recite, by memory, uh, uh, a few Sutras. It is possible. Yeah. Uh, So, the question is, yes, some of us cannot even recite Ka Sutra, (laughs) Uh, but compared to us there are those who can recite a much longer sutra, in which case then, compared to them, is it possible that there are those who can recite all the sutras? That's possible. And if we go by that, uh, this is why uh, almost all the sutras would have the opening verse, "Tas have I heard. not all the sutras are recited by Parabha Ananda. Why? Because, as I mentioned earlier, in Kudaka Nikaya, in Kudaka Nikaya, the collection came later, and there's one particular one, uh, a few. Uh, one of them is called Iti butaka and Iti butaka literally means uh, uh, "I have heard it this way." Yeah, so it's different from. Uh, what very much well, Ananda said, He have I heard. Uh, the, and the reason is because the person who recited this set of texts is actually a chambermaid in the palace. So there was this queen who wanted to listen to the teachings, but because of his, her status, was not convenient to regularly visit the monks. So he, she sent her chambermaid to see the monks and then listen to the teachings, remember the teachings and then repeated to her yeah so after the passing of the Buddha and a, at a later stage this chambermaid is said to have went to the monks and said by the way I have remembered some sutras and this is what was said yeah. so and that his her opening became the, the title of the collection that she gave uh, so not so you must know that not all the sutras start with past Yes. So, but all the sutras is spoken by Buddha, No, not all suttas are spoken by the Buddha. Mm. Not all. There are many suttas where the Buddha is involved only right at the end. In what sense? There are many suttas, and I'm talking, of, I'm not talking about Mahayana sutras, I'm talking about Pali Canon. In the Pali Canon, you'll find quite a few suttas where the main Persons involved are actually the disciples of the Buddha. Some other uh, individuals would consult uh, his disciple, such as Venerable Sariputra, Venerable Mahakacharana, uh, Maha Venerable Mahamukalana, and so on. Yeah, different, different individuals. They would have a discussion, and then later on, one of them, sometimes Venerable Ananda, would consult the Buddha about what was said. And the Buddha would then reply saying, if you had asked the Tathagata, the Tathagata would have said exactly the same thing. But not always. Huh? Sometimes the Buddha would say, uh, that is correct. But on top of that, uh, then he expounded further. Yeah, so not everything within the sutra is simply about the Buddha's talking, talking, talking. Yeah? For one, uh, almost a, a majority of the sutras start off with a question start off with someone asking a question. Which is why whenever I hear people uh, asking me, is it okay to ask a question? Yeah. Of course it's okay. Yeah, because this is how we have all the teachings. Yeah? Almost all the teachings are, are started because of the questions. Yeah? So times have I heard on one occasion, the blessed one was living at Savanti, Is on one occasion. In Chinese, uh, So there are a lot of different explanations why on one occasion. Why not tell us exactly which day, which year. So one very, uh, very uh, down to earth reasoning is, the Indians in the past, they were not good with, or they were not so concerned with keeping records. Yeah, if you look at the the path of purification, in the preface itself, it mentions about how Surya Marga itself was was uh, used by the Indians uh, to as a reference to dig down which empire started when and which empire ended when. Yeah, so the Indians were were just not into keeping t- re- detailed records with reference to time. So this is one reasoning. The second reasoning that I heard off was that um, teachings that were given by the Buddha would be repeated in other world systems. So if you were to tell them uh, 1998, for them it doesn't make any sense at all. So as a result, the time and date is totally just put aside. Uh, so on one occasion. Which occasion? Don't know. When? Don't know. Uh, but. Having said that, the fact that the Buddha was living at Savati in Jeta's grove, Anatha Pindika's park give us a certain bearing. Yeah? Because there was a time where Anatha Pindika Ziku Du yeah, he is one of the great benefactors of Buddhism. He donated this park. Krishna, you have a question. No. At the first council, uh. Ananda is said to recite all this, right? Uh. And how was the first council? Uh, I think it lasted for three months. In the first council, there was only two pitaka: the the, the the sutta and the binaya. Abhidhamma was recited later. Oh. So, um, this the Vidakas Park uh, there's some background story. Uh, when venerable no, when Anatta Pindaka, uh literally giver to those who, who are who are needy, yeah, he he is given that name uh, because of his uh, well-known kindness. Yeah, he is always giving so much so that he is known as the one who gives to the needy. So he wanted to offer to the Buddha this grove. And that grove belongs to uh, Prince Jeta, yeah, Prince Jeta. So when he approached, approached Prince Jeta, Prince Jeta was wondering like, how sincere are you yeah, to, to offer this grove? So he, he actually, uh, what we call, 四十开大口 So he said, as, as far as you can see the, the, the land, you must fill up with a stack of gold coins. Yeah, that is the price of this this place. And sure enough, Pindika <laughs> really laid it out with with gold coins. Yeah, and then with that price offered. And when Prince Jetha saw that he's really you know so sincere, he was so moved that he said, "Well, I sold you the land, but the trees above the land I didn't sell you. I." rejoice in your offering and I offer that to the Buddha as well. So that's why it's always referred to Jeta's Grove, Anatta Pindaka's Park. Um, yeah. So this, when we read it, it's just a place, uh, but there's a, this background to it. Yeah. So now, a number of monks were sitting, sitting in the assembly hall, where they had met together on returning from their round after, after that meal. When, that, when this discussion arose among them. It is wonderful, friends, it is marvellous, how mighty and powerful is the Tathagata. For he is able to know about the Buddhas of the past who attained final Nibbana, cut the tangle of proliferation, broke the cycle, ended the realm, and surmounted all suffering. That for those blessed ones, their birth was thus, Their names were tasked. Their clans were tasked. Their moral discipline was tasked. Their qualities of concentration were tasked. Their wisdom was tasked. Their meditative dwellings were tasked. Their liberation was tasked. So, um, another thing to highlight, here you you find two terms. You find that in the Nikaya itself, um, there's very few reference to the term Buddha. Yeah? Uh, the term Buddha is usually uh, mentioned uh, almost like in passing. Uh, when people uh, have conversation. in some sutras they have conversations saying that Ah, ascetic Gotama is in town. Yeah? He is said to be a blessed one, Bhagavan, He is said to be an Arahan. He is said to be a Buddha, an awakened one. Yeah? So it is mentioned in that way. Uh, but usually when the Buddha referred to himself, he referred to himself as the Tathagata. And his disciples, who are already his disciples, would refer to him as the Blessed One. Yeah? Whereas there are those who are not his disciples, they may sometimes, you will see in the Sutta, refer to him as Gautama, ascetic Gotama, and so on. Yeah? Now, so, here you see two references, Blessed One and Tathagata. No? Of course, Barabha Nanda, he, he cannot refer to the Buddha as Ascetic Gautama. He, he, he respects him so much. Hmm. So here, uh, among the monks they were having a discussion about how the Buddha is so great. Yeah, he is able to know about the past Buddhas yeah, and the different uh, aspects of the Buddhas in the past. No? Uh, KS or so S-K? KS. KS. Can you read the Next paragraph. Um, When this was said. Yeah, when this was said. When this was said, Venerable Ananda told the monks, friends, Tagatakas are wonderful and have wonderful qualities. (laughs) Tagatakas, (laughs) Tagatakas, (laughs) Tagatakas are marvelous and have marvelous qualities. However, their discussion was disrupted. Was interrupted. Interrupted. For the blessed one rose from the meditation when it was evening, went to the assembly hall and sat down on a seat, on a seat, make ready. When he addressed the monk asked monks, for what discussion are you sitting together here now, and what was your discussion that was interrupted? Thank you. So, uh, this sets the stage. Um, uh, for the start of this sutta. Uh, In a few other suttas, uh, this would also happen where the monks are having discussion and the Buddha would come in and then the Buddha would ask uh, what was the discussion before I interrupted. Uh, This itself may come across as just a record of what happened uh, but there are those who then ask the question isn't the Buddha supposed to know everything? Why does he still need to ask? So there are two different school of thoughts. One is that even though the Buddha would know, if he want to know, uh, he would follow the normal convention. He wouldn't just use his ability for no good reason. The other one is that the Buddha is not the way we think he is, knowing everything all the time. But he only used his ability to know things as and when is needed. So in such cases, there was really no particular reason for him to go and and observe people's mind or whatever. So he just used the simplest tool possible. They just come here and say, "So how were y'all discussing?" That's simpler than going to jhana and then doing all that. Oh. So there are different school of thoughts. And if you remember the introduction, the the two different school of thoughts or image of the Buddha. One where he's uh, in a way more down to earth, human. Yeah? the other one where he's supra human. Yeah? So like similarly here, yeah, the fact that he Ask, yeah, what was the discussion? Can be seen from these two angles as well. Uh, Christina? Here, Venerable Sir, we were sitting in the assembly hall where we had met together on returning from our arms round. After our meal, when this discussion arose among us, it was wonderful, friends. It is marvelous. Their liberation was tasked. When this was said, Venerable Sir, the Venerable Ananda said to us, Friends, Tathagata are wonderful and have wonderful qualities. Tathagata are marvelous and have marvelous qualities. This was our discussion, Venerable Sir. That was interrupted when the Blessed One arrived. Thank you. So, over here in the middle of the paragraph, you see a dot, dot, dot. Yeah, that is what we call a bridging. Yeah? Yeah, a bridging. Meaning that instead of listing down the whole text, uh, they just put an ellipse, yeah, dot, dot, dot. And um, the sometimes if it's from another sutta, they will indicate that as, as in this other sutta and paragraph. Here, where is this from? This is from the previous paragraph, paragraph two. Yeah, so if you read, it is wonderful friends, it is marvelous then, dot, dot, dot. Eh, where, did, where where is this from yeah so if you read in page 50 it is wonderful yeah uh, line three the last part of line three paragraph two it is wonderful friends it is marvelous how mighty and powerful yeah. so the dot 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 is an, is a shortening of this whole paragraph instead of including everything in again yeah there are a few reasons why a bridging is done uh, for one. It cut down on the size of the of the book. For two, um, when there's a lot of repetition throughout the whole book, uh, this abridging helps readers not to have to plow through uh, the same text again and again, which will cause most readers to just switch off. You know, yeah. Uh, but when I, uh, for myself, when I read through some of the text, uh, especially when it is Uh, regarding the teachings it is also helpful although they have done the abridging for us to open up the abridging and read through everything as it was uh, said by the Buddha yeah i mean if you consider if you were to just then dot 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 then what you will remember is there's a dot 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 then whereas if you read through the whole thing then now you have two sets of memory of that same text yeah. And in many sutras, the abridging is where a certain structure is applied on the five aggregates. Yeah. And throughout all the sutras, this is always found. Yeah. Now, in the Chinese Mahana Sutra, in particular, Xing Jing, 色佛一空,空佛一色,色即是空,空即是色, um, uh, uh, This is a form of abridging. Yeah. A form of abridging. Why? Because it basically, it has an opening of the first aggregate physical form. Then, without going through the same thing, it just says, this applies to feelings, perception, mental formations, and consciousness. Together, five aggregates. In other words, when you really reflect on Heart Sutra, then you should be reflecting. And also, so, chisi kong, kong so. So, pui kong, kong pui so. You know, yeah. And not simply on se, not simply on form, but the same principle must apply to all forms as well. So, um, here, there's this abridging. Huh? So, when you read on your own, you may want to note that and expand uh, when you can. Yeah. Yes. It's always like the beginning or uh? like you see the dollar about right? Like yeah. do we know where to look. well here. You it's see. Always the same paragraph, isn't it? Uh? Is it within the same paragraph? Okay. So you see, uh, here, um, when we see a bridging, right? This is actually what is said by, uh let me see, who who was the one who said this? Okay. Uh, one of the. One of the Ah uh, Ananda was the one who actually replied, yeah. And wait, ah, sorry, it's not clear who is the one who actually uh, said this paragraph. But someone replied to the Buddha, yeah. So here, sir we were sitting and so on, right? So the uh, bridging is like basically from it is marvelous. So if you read, it is wonderful, friends. It is marvelous. It's exactly the same as the page fifty. It is wonderful, friends. It is marvelous. Yeah. How how do we know? Because we just read. I just read it. <laughs> <laughs> so you won't have to go back to many many uh, pages before. You know. Um, usually, what I observe is that when it is too far away. Uh, or in another sutra, if it's in another sutra, they will indicate the paragraphing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, it's just reverse page. Huh? So I I think he assumed that most of us should still remember. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But in case if you find any of this where you're not sure, you can bring it up. Huh? Okay. Any other thoughts or questions? If not, uh, any? Then the, best one, the blessed one, address the blessed. The blessed one. The blessed one, address the, the venerable anatta, The being so Ananta explain more fully the katakata and those qualities. Yeah. If I may just pause for a while, you note you notice that this. This word "tathagata" is actually an, a, a Pali word. So uh, English has no uh, what do you call that? Um, there's no those epilips, uh, whatever. There's no indicator of the tone. Yeah. So in Pali, sometimes you see one line. Sometimes you see you may see a curly thing. Yeah. It actually changes the way it is being pronounced. Yeah. A long uh, 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 a straight line above any character means it's a long consonant. Yeah, so here is Tata Gata Yeah, I mean that's a, a proper way of pronunciation. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, but I, I don't claim to be a, a Pali expert. Okay, I have uh, formally attended some classes before. Uh, so like, where usually we say variable Ananda, it's variable Ananda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, there was one one monk who was really called variable Ananda, and then, <laughs> we said, then someone introduced, I said, no, 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 not Ananda. Ananda means totally a uh, different meaning. Yeah. So uh, because of the way it's written, but for us English, English there's no long or short. Yeah. Uh, in some cases there is actually. Yeah. But there is usually no such a thing as. Uh, a difference in meaning between long and short. Yeah. So, um, uh, I'm just highlighting, huh? not not correcting your, not insisting that you must read tata gata. Okay. Yeah. But <laughs> just for your own knowledge. Yeah. Any continue? I heard. I heard, and then there's sir, on the best ones. Is... Please, my complimenting. Mata's Buhi Satha in Susata heaven. That my and clearly coordinating the Buhi Satha in the susata heaven. This I remember as a wonderful and marvelous quality of the festival. Okay, thank you. So this is the... Uh, this is where after the Buddha heard uh, the discussion then he further asked "Venerable so what else? What else uh, is known about the Tathagata or the Buddha's marvelous and wonderful, uh, wonderful and marvelous qualities? So this is the first one about how the, the Buddha before he attained enlightenment he was a Buddhist sattva. Yeah? Uh, here you will notice that it is spelled as Buddhist sattva yeah. Bodhisatta is Pali, Buddhisattva is Sanskrit. Yeah, so they are cousin languages. Uh, the interesting thing about Pali is that it is a spoken dialect. So there's no, if you ever hear someone say, do uh, that he he write Pali, he <laughs> don't really know Pali. Yeah, Pali is a spoken language. There's no written script. There are no written script. Yeah, so. Typically, those who learn Pali in the very uh, traditional or strict sense uh, then they probably will have learned Sanskrit or Sinhalese. Uh, depending on where they are from, they may learn different script to learn Pali. For us Singaporeans, we will learn it as the Romanized form of Pali. Yeah, Romanized, why? Because A, B, C, D is Roman letters. Yeah, Roman uh, letters. So, uh, what else? So, here that the bodhisattva, referring to the Buddha before he even was born as the prince, was clear and mindful. Yeah, Mindful and clear, concrete, clearly comprehending. That means it was not uh, like most other uh, sentient beings. Uh, 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 in this text and in other texts, there's references to how unenlightened sentient beings uh, enter into the womb, confused, yeah, unclear. Then in the womb, unclear. Come out, still unclear. Go to next life, also <laughs> unclear, yeah. Uh, but for the Buddha, when he was a bodhisattva, yeah, he was mindful and clearly comprehending. The bodhisattva appeared in the Tus- Tusita heaven, yeah. Uh, this is the first quality of the Buddha. That is wonderful and marvellous. Yes.
1: Uh, so
0: uh, this is actually uh, five, not fifteen. Yeah, five. It is the, the, the one seems like one uh, is a closing quote. Uh, so five refers to a, uh, a footnote behind. And where can you find the footnote? You have to go all the way behind to the footnote. And you will find that here is page 51. So you refer to notes to page 51. Yeah, Uh, 428. And under number 5. Are you all there? Yeah. This refers to the Bodhisattva's rebirth in the Tusita heaven which preceded his birth in the human world as Gautama, the future Buddha. Yeah. Of course I already mentioned that yeah, but if you look at the text itself, at this point it's still not clear what he's doing there. Yeah, but as Buddhists we all know the story so well that we just assume it's like that. Uh, but the translator in this case, Varemba He is very conscientious, he don't it. Guess uh. so he highlighted when is, when is this happening? Uh, this is happening at a stage where it is before uh, he has uh, uh, been reborn as the prince uh, before the human world, uh, human rebirth. Uh, so uh, anytime you find a footnote, you can actually read first. Uh, yes. What's your name? BV. Yeah, you are BV. Yes. Uh, to sit down heaven, to uh, do, do yeah. Hey, no, sorry, Do see heaven, Do suai Do suai Do, suai do suai yeah. So now, who is in Do suai uh, Maitreya Buddha. Yes. Uh, that's this. That's in, uh, uh, the uh, inner so, to shoot down Heaven is inside the sensual desire realm. Yeah, It's still within the sensual desire realm. Yeah, Uh, in the three, three spheres, is under 宇界,宇界天. So, within this sensual desire realm, there's many different levels. Uh, and one whole chunk is heaven, and within the heavenly realm, within the sensual desire realm, there are multiple layers. One of them is this Tushita heaven. So, there's mentioned elsewhere, about how uh, the yuan and yuan. so the example I sometimes give is, it's like going to Geylang, you know. Uh, make sure you go into the right place of Geylang. One part is sensual, one part is Dhamma. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, So when, if you want to be reborn in the Tian to learn directly from Menchua Buddha, can, yeah, there's this pharmen also. But you must make sure that you include Nei yeah. Yuan. Yeah. But uh, how do you go into Nei Yuan? Then you must connect with the Dhamma. If you don't connect with the Dhamma, you have the merits to go to the heaven, you do want to go in also. Yeah. Just like now in Singapore, having been being born in Singapore, you, we all have the merits to come into contact with Buddhism. Yeah? But there are those who chose to uh, attend to Dharma, there are those who choose to attend to sensual pleasure. Yeah? Not, not saying that if you all ever go and uh, attend to sensual pleasure, it's a crime or anything. Okay? Yeah? But it's your choice. Uh. Okay, next. Uh, billing. I heard and learned this from the tested one only Mindful and clearly comprehending the Sata release in the processar map. These two are remembered as one who and my role's of the tested one. I heard and learned this from the tested one only. For the whole of this lifespan the the story of the thank you uh, so here uh, two qualities one is that while the buddha as a bodhisattva was in tusita heaven uh, he was mindful and clearly comprehending yeah mindful and clearly comprehending um, the first one was about how he appeared mindful and comprehending. Second one is about how while he was there, he was uh, mindful and clearly comprehending. Then, uh, the third one is that for the whole of his lifespan, uh, the Buddha, Bodhisattva remained in the Tusita Heaven. Yeah. He didn't go elsewhere, Kakaya. Yeah. Okay, next, HK. I heard and learned this from the Blessed One's four lips. My full and great after having been the passed away from the Ushita heaven and descended into this mother's view. This two I remember, was a wonderful and marvelous quality of the Blessed One. Mm, thank you. So, after staying there for a whole lifespan, uh, leaving uh, after ending that life, then entering into the mother's womb, yeah, the bodhisattva was still mindful and ke- clearly comprehending. Yeah. Uh, this is considered a wonderful and marvelous quality. Yeah, uh, because the rest of us are not. Uh, the rest of us blurry. Blur. Yeah, in many many uh, Dhamma talks, venerables would often ask this question. Do you know why you are here? How you got here? Uh, do you know where you are going? <laughs> Most of us don't know. Okay, next. Uh, Meitzen. I had a learned this in the best of that the When the Buddhist passed away from the shri and then entered into mother's room, and the inevitable radiance was surpassing the divine necessity of the devas, came the world, Okay, thank you. To be fair, everybody a certain number of lines. Uh then the uh, uh, who is Chari that jelly? Then even in those A B Y S abysmal world. Abysmal world, powerful as they are cannot make their life superior they are taking an immeasurable face surpassing the demand relationship of the to pass to and the beings we want they are perceive each other by their time so we need there are also other beings we want to okay thank you next Yi Hui and 10,000 fold girls to quick and tremble and again an immeasurable much of the majesty of the last day world. These two are remembered as a wonderful and marvelous quality of the last of Thank you. So this whole paragraph, paragraph 7, describes um, what happens when uh, the Bo- the Bodhisattva passed away from the Tusita heaven and descended into his mother's womb. Uh, what happens. An immeasurable great radiance passing the divine majesty of the Devas appear in the world. Now this part here, in the world with its Devas, Brahma and Brahma, in this population with its ascetics and Brahmins, with its Devas and human beings, this is quite a standard description that you'll find in various sutras, where the Buddha will mention Uh, into this world with his Devas, Mara and Brahma and so on and so forth and this is quite a standard um, description and then and even in those abysmal world uh, from the highest where the heavenly beings to the lower realms in other words Uh, so throughout it is said that then there's all this um, this radiance that was emitted, yeah. Uh, and when they perceive each other, and the and the beings reborn there perceive each other by that light. So indeed, there are also other beings reborn here. So there are some places where it is so uh, in the lower realms where it's complete darkness, in other words. And because of that radiance, they are ah, oh, there are other beings around, yeah. This is something which is quite unimaginable for us. How is it possible? Uh, In in other sutras, then there's more description about such states of existence. But here, the 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 key thing is that this his birth itself is impactful. Uh, It's impactful. Uh, Polan. Cube. So when you all enter your mother's room, was there four? They was to guard your mother. <laughs> Nowadays, have uh, your akong ama, and then your the, your father at the mid. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's your name? Hui. Anhui. Hui. Uh, next paragraph Quite interesting, isn't it? Yeah? This is a very direct reference to how the child can actually affect the mother. Yeah? That because of the Buddha descending into the mother's womb, then she became intrinsically virtuous. Somehow she, she's just virtuous when, when that happened. Not that she's not virtuous before that, yeah? but by, by virtue of uh, the Buddha or the Bodhisattva entering her womb, then should become virtuous, and in what way refraining from killing uh, living beings, from taking what is not given, from sexual misconduct, from false speech, and from wines, liquors, and intoxicants—the basis of negligence. And this is basically the five precepts, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yes. From one to six the mindful and can do something but the quality and then? and then 7, 8, 9 I know but how about 7 and 8? what's the quality? huh? what's the quality of the people? so after reading through what do you think is the quality? 7 and 8 I do not get it 7 and 8 but I just explained just now what did I explain everybody? number 7? the Buddha's birth is intact. Yeah. I just mentioned just now uh, that when he was, sure he was when he entered the womb that there was this great radiance that sh- basically spread through the whole world system. That is the quality of the Buddha. Whose birth? Your birth didn't happen? <laughs> no, right? <laughs> then number eight is that the moment he entered the Buddha's womb then there are four devas that guard the mother from home. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you look at, uh, I mean, just common knowledge, uh, why is it that we are so cautious for the, for a person when, whenever someone is pregnant? Because anything can happen. Whereas in this case, it is basically saying, once the Buddha, the Bodhisattva enter the womb, the mother is protected. Nothing can happen to the mother. Yeah. In other parts, other suttas, it is mentioned that if a person has reached a point where, in this life, the person has enough uh, of the of the cultivation wholesome roots to attain enlightenment. Before he attain enlightenment, he cannot die. He will not die. Yeah, uh, there's such a thing also. Uh, so if you if you want insurance, uh, Uh, that's the best yes yes nine jump to 14 is because the 5% 1% is 1 quality yes dot 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 you see the dot 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 these two I remember as a wonderful and marvelous quality of the blessed one then dot 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 so 9 10 11 12 13 5 all together 5 all together So number nine can be interpreted as, because it's like, uh, into a motherhood, that's why she observes the uh, the five precepts, because... um, Maybe you want to speak up a bit, so that the rest can hear? Okay, number nine is like, the five precepts it observes, because also, um, into a motherhood, that's why all these qualities are... um, Mm. Uh, do you all know of mothers who, have, who still drink alcohol, take alcohol? And in fact, there are, there are those, who are, especially when they are pregnant, then people say, oh, then go and get live fish to go and cook, then kill, right? Uh, so it's not true that uh, simply because someone is into motherhood, then they would naturally avoid uh, uh, doing the five things. Yeah. Well, here it is implying that because that the Bodhisattva entering the womb has something to do with uh, how the mother would actually become virtuous and avoid killing, stealing, sexual misconduct, lying or taking off so alcohol. about the process? Huh? Becoming virtuous. What, what do you mean? Coming, coming means... Uh... She became. She became intrinsically virtuous. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have mentioned before that uh, later on in this later, later paragraph that's mentioned about the Buddha walking, right? So, um, I'm of the opinion that whether the Buddha did walk seven steps or not, is not pertinent to me being a Buddhist. So, similarly, whether the mother as a result uh, is like this or not, to me, it's not pertinent. Why? Because what is pertinent to me being a Buddhist is the form of the truth. Yeah. So, feel free to I shouldn't encourage, huh? <laughs> uh, the sutta say so. La. So, uh, I mean, it's quite explicit. She became intrinsically virtuous. Uh, and my point is that uh, for those who have been, who are mothers, not who have been mothers, who have been pregnant before, uh, or you have heard others who, uh, who drink cons- their, their pregnancy, then their mood change or their, their taste and some, when they are pregnant, well, then they suddenly, well, before that don't like to eat meat, well, suddenly they want to eat crap. Then there are those who usually eat everything then, drink pregnancy, just, wow, well, this smell of meat, wow, well, cannot take it. Yeah. If you ask doctors, they will have the scientific or biological explanation for that also. Yeah. But as far as this text is concerned, it's saying that the Buddhist Bodhisattva entering the mother's womb yeah, because of that she became intrinsically virtuous and so on. Mm. Okay. Any thoughts? No? Okay. Uh uh Join? Joey, Joey, sorry, not join Joey. So, uh, there may be some implications to the exactly 10 months. Huh? Yeah. Uh, one thing to note, the Indian calendar is different from what we know as the uh, Gregorian calendar today. Yeah. What we are using today, known as the Western calendar, is actually known as the Gregorian calendar. Yeah. Uh, why is it called Gregorian calendar? Because it's by one of these uh, priests called Father Gregory, yeah, he came out with this calendar system. Prior to that, in the Western world, there were a lot of different calendar systems. The most recent one is called the Juliet calendar, yeah, which is, I, from what I remember, Juliet season. Yeah. So, um, we Chinese until today, we still have our lunar calendar, or the agriculture calendar, normally. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, in India, they had their own calendar system as well, which is still in use today, yeah, but for their own uh, usually Hindu uh, observances. Uh, the, the one references to the number of days in a year that I have seen in the Sutta is where the Buddha mentioned about how in the heavenly being uh, heavenly realm, uh, 12 months make a year with 30 days each. Yeah, so that's the only reference. But that means then he's talking about 360 days. Yeah, uh, is it possible? Yeah, it's possible because today we observe 365.25 something something, which is why every four years we add one year one day, and then every how many, don't know how long, we add one more day. Yeah. Uh, so um, the whole idea of our calendar is actually quite a recent thing. So here when the Buddha talk about uh, not 9 or 10 months but exactly 10 months, you must know that it is not what we think of as 10 months today. Uh, yeah. In fact, today if you talk about 10 months or 9 months, it depends on when you are conceived. Uh, yeah, because you, uh, every month, we have. I mean the calendar we are using today have different number of days. Yeah. If you go by what I mentioned about what is seen in the sutta, then it's 30 days each. That means exactly 300 days of uh, conception. Uh, Susan. Nancy. Nancy. oh, Nancy. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. The mother, who the mother? Mm. Thank you. So it is said that the Buddha's mother. Who is the Buddha's mother? Queen uh, Maya, And it is said that it was on route when the the mother was going back to the to the, uh, Going back to the, her family uh, to deliver, then stop by Lumbini Park, yeah. and between two sow trees. And then it was said that he was standing and resting, then she gave birth to the Buddha. Yeah. So this is uh, described here. Uh, Doreen uh, Ong, right? Uh, you are Ong, Go. Okay. Well, somehow, two sit <laughs> side by side. How <laughs> to confuse people? Right? <laughs> like? Okay, I heard and learned this from the Blessed One homelands. When the Buddhist Tata came forth from his mother's womb, first Diva received him, then human beings. These two I remember as a wonderful and marvelous quality of Blessed One. Mm, thank you. Yeah, so, here, you hear, we start to see uh, the rest are still. Some of them are rather other Some are, hmm, it depends, yeah. Uh, is it possible to give birth to a child standing? Uh, yeah, it's probably possible. Yeah, But this one is quite interesting. Yeah, most of us are first received by nurses and doctor. Yeah. I think the gyni is it? Yeah, uh, then our mother receiver. her. Yeah, so here, First by the Dewa, then by human beings. Any of you received by Devas? (laughs) GS? No? No? (laughs) Mary? (laughs) Noah? Okay. So. (laughs) Okay, Doreen Ong finished, Doreen Go. I heard and learned this from the Blessed One's own lips. When the Bodhisattva came forth from his mother's womb, he did not touch the earth. The four young devas received him and set him him before his mother, saying, Rejoice, O Queen, a son of great power has been born to you. These two are remembered as a wonderful and marvelous quality of the blessed one. Thank you. So, uh, not just received by human, but by devas, but the devas actually spoke to the mother, Rejoice, O Queen, a son of great power has been born to you. and learn this from the breast of one who lips. When the Bodhisattva came forth from his mother womb, he came forth unsullied, and streamed by water, humans, blood, or any kind of impurity, impurity. impurity clean and unsullied. Good. Uh, okay. And yes, continue. Suppose there were a gem placed on the fine cloth, then the gem would not smear the cloth, or the cloth, the, the, the gem. Why is, is that? Because of purity of woe. So when the Bodhisattva came forth, he came forth clean and uncertain. This, too, I remember as a wonderful and marvelous quality of the blessed one. Thank you. So this is a description of how when the Buddha came forth. If you watch some of the uh, movies or TV series now, uh, when they uh, show the baby being born, then come out, wow, God, all kinds of things, and uh, blood and all kinds of... I think I've never seen a real childbirth. Oh, actually I have uh, on YouTube. Yeah, nowadays, you can see anything on YouTube. Huh? Uh, and it's really quite gory. Yeah? So here it says that, wow, he came forth unsullied, unsmeared. Yeah, that means, uh, solid means become dirty. So he, he didn't become dirty from all, all that. Unsmeared, that means it's not covered. Yeah? By what? By water, humors, uh, blood humors is like it's basically the kind of yum yum secret. Uh, by blood or any kind of impurity, clean and unsullied. Yeah? He just come up home, wow, clean, clean, you know. Uh, so this is this is one of the uh, one more of the wonderful and marvelous quality of the blessed one. Mm-hmm. I heard and learned this from the blessed one's own lips. When the Buddha of bodhisattva came forth from his mother's womb two jets of water appeared to pour from the sky one cool and one warm for bathing the bodhisattva and his mother these two i remember as a wonderful and marvelous quality of the blessed one so this is again among some of the description of the buddha where it is a bit more supernatural I heard and learned this from the Blessed One's own lips. As soon as the Bodhisattva was born, he stood firmly with his feet on the ground. Then he took seven steps, facing north, and with a white parasol held over him. He surveyed each quarter and uttered the words of the leader of the herd, I am the highest in the world, I am the best in in the world, I am the foremost in the world. This is my last birth. Now there is no renewed existence for me. These two I remember as a marvelous, uh, as a wonderful and marvelous quality of the Blessed One. So all these years when we hear, uh, or we watch even in the movie of the little Buddha, you know, being born and then walking, uh, actually, it actually comes from this Sutta. Yeah. Uh, as much as it's in this sutta, this is from Majima Nikaya one two three. Uh, there are scholars, there are monks who who have some question mark about this also. Yeah, uh, there are those who say that this is uh, a figurative description. Yeah, part of it is true. Yeah, as in factual, the other part is a bit figurative. Yeah. So. Uh, let me see. Uh. what time is it now? 90. Oh, already 9 p.m. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to stop here, but I want you all to think about it. Uh, well, I already told you that uh, my stand. Uh, in other lessons, I have already shared my stand that uh, it is possible that this is true. As a Buddhist, I will say that yeah, it's possible. But what if it's not true? Yeah. If it's not true. Does it change anything? I once was in, um, I was in, where was that? Uh, Lumbini Park. Yeah, this is at Lumbini Park. So I was at Lumbini Park, and if you go to Lumbini Park, there's this big white building with, um, and it is within a park. And then in the big white building, you'll find uh, like, there's this, there's this roundabout uh, wooden structure that was built and there's a smaller structure inside which is where the older remains of uh, some kind of like a temple was built over. And then if you walk around, there's one part that leads to the center. It looks like the excavation site of an archeological finding. And in, right in the center is basically a metal plate with a stack of a pillar, which is supposed to be one of the Asoka pillar. And that Asoka pillar is supposed to mark the place of the Buddha's birth. Uh, I went there twice. And when I went there, of course all Buddhists going there will pay homage and be very, oh, God, this is where the Buddha was born, you know. Uh, but there was once I asked some students, I, I asked like, How do you know that it's this exact spot? What if it's not this exact spot? What if it's 50 cm away from it? What if it's 50 meters away? Does it matter? Then I ask them, when you celebrate your birthday, do you go back to KK Hospital (laughs) to to celebrate your birthday? You don't, isn't it? In fact, I don't think your parents even remember the ward. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. Does it matter? Yeah. Uh, then you realize that the significance of the birth is not so much with that exact spot Yeah. when we go there we pay respect it is not to that exact spot or that pillar but that pillar is in a way a concrete proof of a substantial uh, historical evidence that there was a person who was born by this name Siddhartha and he is to become what we know as uh, Prince Siddhartha who would give up everything and walk in this very land that we also share. Yeah. And that is the whole point. Yeah. And perhaps even more importantly, not whether he walked seven steps, not whether to me, okay, I leave it to you all to when and reflect. For me, it is not because he walked seven steps that I pay respect to him, that I choose to uh, make Buddhism my religion, that I take refuge in him. Think about it. If tonight when you go home, you see on the internet, yeah, or you see, you know, China News Asia, there was a boy who was, or a girl for that matter, born and then somehow in the hospital suddenly a lot of bright lights and then the baby floated in the mid-air the, and then you know everything, yeah, and there was a voice that said, ah... Uh, a a boy of great power has been born to you, uh, Madam Tan (laughs) or something, you know. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and everything was recorded down and posted on YouTube by the father because now this father would be there. And what would happen after that? If let's say this child after being born and also go through, you know, uh, kindergarten and everything, and maybe he wasn't a bad person, yeah, study in the, maybe NTU, yeah, then graduate and then have kids, and, but that's it. He would just be the magical baby that floated in the sky. Would you then take refuge in such a person? There's no, no reason. So to me, after much reflection, to me, whether any of this happened, literally or not, will not change my conviction in Buddhism. Because it is not not due to all this that I or I hope we take refuge in the Buddha but for what he did after that. Especially the fact that he discovered an end to suffering and was able to share that, the way to end suffering. For that, we take refuge in him. Uh, If there's no questions or thoughts to end this session, so we end in page 53, is it page 53? No, page 51, uh, paragraph, no sorry, page 53. Uh, page 53, yeah, um, paragraph 20, no paragraph 20. Yeah, next week we'll come back and then continue from paragraph 21. Uh, for those, well, all of you are attending the first lesson, so do go and read up on chapter one, and when you have finished reading chapter one, then go and read the introduction of chapter one and chapter two. then when you finish even with that, then read the general introduction. then when you finish with that, read the, the contents yeah. over time uh, over time uh, not not go and do over time, but <laughs> over time, you all do this huh uh, otherwise, as we proceed, we will be covering new chapters. Yes lessons. <laughs> Uh, when i get it from orange who will be back only of the end of the, uh, end of the month Silly.